0: On a snowy Minnesota night in 1993, a 17-year-old girl would accompany her friend to a job interview. The girl was looking for a second job, and as luck would have it, her friend's boss was looking for help. The cold, snowy night would soon turn even colder, though, as the young girl would never return home, nor would she ever be seen again. This is Midwest Mystery Files, Episode 8, The Disappearance of Hang Lee. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Midwest Mystery Files. I'm your host, Jeremiah, with just a few quick things before we start. Midwest Mystery Files is a bi-weekly true crime podcast focused on unsolved missing and murdered cases within the Midwestern region of the United States. I can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. Now, without further delay, on to today's episode. Hang Lee, who was one of 13 children, was born October 9th, 1975, to Laotian refugees. When she was just a young girl, her family moved from a refugee camp in Laos to St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul and its sister city, Minneapolis, make up what is known as the Twin Cities, and it's here where the Lee family was residing in January of 1993 when a tragedy would befall the family. At this time, Hang was a senior at Highland High School in St. Paul who had intentions to attend the University of Minnesota after her graduation in the spring. She loved reading and wanted to become a writer. She worked as a cashier at the Wong Restaurant on Rice Street where she had worked since she was 13. Hang has been noticed as being a good employee and having a great relationship with the owner, even getting her brother Kua a job as a dishwasher once he was old enough. Hang, however, was looking to make a little extra money and was in the market for a second job. It was on January 12, 1993, that opportunity for a second job would seemingly arise. In the early hours of that evening, the phone would ring at the Lee residence, and 15-year-old Kua would answer to find a friend of Hang's on the other end. 18-year-old Kia Lee, who went by Nikki, and was no relation to Hang, informed Hang that she had been able to line up an interview with Nikki's boss. The interview, however, would have to take place that night. Hang agreed to this, and after calling her current boss Eileen Lee, also no relation, to inform her that she had an interview for a second job and would not be in that night, she left the family's apartment somewhere around 6 or 7 p.m. Kua would report that he locked the door behind her, but before leaving, she turned around with a concerned look on her face and instructed Kua, If I don't come back, come and look for me. This statement has always been a bit ominous. A few reports state that Hang was suspicious of Nikki, but offer no further elaboration. It was also snowing that night, so one could theorize that maybe she was worried about getting caught in the storm and not making it home. Kua went to sleep at about 10pm that night, and then woke up around 1am. Instantly, he felt something was amiss. Generally, after being gone at night, Hang usually knocked on the front door when she got home and her brother would let her in. This night, however, a knock never came. Kua would then get out of bed and look out the window. He would tell the Twin Cities Pioneer Press in 2014, The snow was coming down pretty hard, and I didn't see footprints from the parking lot. I got up just to see if I missed her or if she was going to be on her way. I did have a bad feeling that kind of crawled up my neck. But of course, I was still a kid, and I didn't know what to do. The next day at school... Kua would approach Nikki Lee and ask her if she knew what happened to Hang. Nikki would simply say that she didn't, and seemingly had little else to say to Kua. After several days, Hang's parents would report her missing to the St. Paul Police Department. Kua would tell the Pioneer Press that his parents did not speak English at the time, and spoke their native language of Hmong. This caused some issues as the police department initially considered Hang to be a runaway, a rather common occurrence in these situations and her parents did not know the proper channels to speak with to get Hang's case more attention. Her family knew that there was no way she had run away. While there was no sign of her, she had left behind all her clothing, her college savings, a $100 paycheck, and her purse, which contained a knife and a lead ball for personal protection. She was also known to be very loyal. She put friends and family first, and the idea of her running away just didn't make sense to anyone. Authorities would first focus their attention on Nikki Lee. Nikki would initially tell authorities that while her and Hang were out on the night of January 12th, Hang had talked to a group of unidentified men before getting into a car with them and leaving. This story, however, would not last long, and Nikki would soon tell authorities what really happened that night. Nikki would tell authorities that her boss, 30-year-old Mark Wallace, who owned a small painting company located on Iroquois Avenue in St. Paul, Asked Nikki if she had any friends who were looking for work. Nikki instantly thought of Hang and recommended her to Wallace. Nikki would express to authorities, however, that at the time she found it odd Wallace was looking for help, as business was actually quite slow and there wasn't enough work to constitute another employee. Nikki went on to tell authorities that Wallace picked Hang and her up in a white pickup truck, possibly a four-wheel drive. She would note that Wallace talked about taking the girls to a casino, they would decline, though, as it was snowing quite heavily out and they had school in the morning. At some point, for reasons unknown, Wallace decided to switch vehicles and Wallace, Nikki, and Hang would exit the truck and enter Wallace's 1988 tan or silver Chevy Cavalier. Nikki explained to police that after switching vehicles, Wallace said he'd drop her off at home first and then Hang, because Hang lived closer to him. According to Google Maps, Macdonough Apartments, where Hang lived... It is only 12 minutes from the outlying town of Maplewood, where Wallace resided. Nikki stated that after exiting Wallace's car, she looked back and saw Hang, who'd been sitting in the back, getting into the front passenger seat. Nikki would claim this was the last time she ever saw Hang. When asked why she lied initially, Nikki told police that she believed Hang had run away, and she only wanted to protect her friend. She also claimed that Wallace had told her not to tell anyone about the interview. Authorities would next turn their focus on to Mark Wallace. When asked about what happened after Nicky exited his vehicle, Wallace claimed that he had dropped Hang off at the intersection of Rice Street and a wheel-locked parkway, near the restaurant where Hang worked. This, unfortunately, is all police have ever been able to get out of him. As it would not be long after that, Wallace would lawyer up and he has refused to talk any more to the police about the case. His quick move to hide behind a lawyer isn't all too surprising. As aside from being the last person to see Hangley alive, the police had another reason to suspect him. He was already a convicted rapist and well-known to St. Paul PD. Wallace had been convicted of two rapes in 1987. One in Cottage Grove, Minnesota on March 31st and the second on April 9th in St. Paul. In the first case, a 16-year-old girl in Cottage Grove reported being raped after she had gone with a man on the promise of a job interview. He held a knife to her, tied her up, and covered her eyes and mouth with duct tape. The man told the teen he would kill her and her family if she said anything about what happened. In the second case, a 23-year-old woman reported she was waiting for a bus when a man at the bus stop told her he could get them a ride. The woman opted to walk away, but the man threw her to the ground, put a sock in her mouth, and taped her mouth and eyes. The man then tied her up and raped her while using a knife to jab her in the back. A little over a month later, on May 19, 1987, a 22-year-old woman told St. Paul police that an unknown man had called her and offered her a job in the radio industry. The woman stated she had set up a meeting with him, but was suspicious because she knew personal records of hers had been taken in a theft from a teacher's vehicle. Police decided to send an undercover female to the meeting in the woman's place. The man who met her, later identified as Mark Wallace, got into her car and had her drive around. Police arrested Wallace and found that he was carrying a bag that contained a knife and a roll of black tape. Wallace would tell police he had broken into a car, taken records, and made phone calls to a woman whose information he found in the records with the intention of raping her. He would go on to admit to the rapes that occurred in March and April as well. Wallace was convicted of criminal sexual misconduct in the St. Paul and Cottage Grove cases and was sent to prison in August of 1988, and since the justice system hasn't really changed much in the last 30 years, he got out on supervised release in June of 1991. His sentence expired January 10, 1993, two days before Hang Lee went missing. After Wallace lawyered up, the case unfortunately goes cold almost immediately. In the years after Hang's disappearance, Nikki Lee would also lawyer up and refuse to talk to the authorities. It wouldn't be until 2009 that another potential lead would come forward. In 2009, the Maplewood home where Mark Wallace grew up and occasionally lived had gone into foreclosure. Authorities got permission to conduct a cadaver dog search of the property, where three dogs did show interest in an area on the back wall of the garage. The garage had been completed in 2004, just 11 years after Hang disappeared. A ground probe was then used to allow any odors to rise up through the ground each dog gave alerts that indicated a presence of either human bone, human blood, or human flesh in the area. Holes were then drilled in the concrete floor of the garage, but upon returning with the dogs for a third time, they were unable to pick up any scent to bring forth any evidence. In 2016, Mark Wallace would once again prove to be an unapologetic scumbag. In August of that year, deputies in Anoka County, Minnesota would attempt to pull over Wallace, who then managed to evade police long enough to get away. Police would later track Wallace to a hotel in Woodbury, Minnesota, where they would break the door in to discover Wallace with a malnourished and bruised 20-year-old woman. The woman told police Wallace was the father of a high school friend, and she stayed with him when she didn't have a permanent home, but Wallace had become verbally and physically abusive. The woman told police that at some point, while she was with Wallace, she had become aware of Hangley's case and Wallace's connection to it. When she questioned Wallace about Hangley, he simply stated, "She entered my business and never came out." And then he told the woman that the same thing would happen to her if she didn't stay in line. Wallace was sentenced in November 2017 to 4 years in prison on felony kidnapping charges in the case. Over the years, Wallace has remained a person of interest but has never been formally charged in Hangley's disappearance. I'm unsure of what his current status is as I checked both the Minnesota Department of Corrections inmate list as well as the Minnesota Sex Offender Registry and I was unable to find him on either. In April of 2017, after 24 years of holding out hope that Hang would come home, her family took steps to fully acknowledge her passing when they would hold a spiritual release ceremony, a Hmong custom that allows for a deceased individual's spirit to be released for reincarnation. Lillian Lee, Hang's niece, would state in a Facebook post, As much as it breaks our hearts that we can't find the closure and answers we seek, we, as a family, have decided to finally release her spirit on April 7th through the 8th, 2017. The spiritual release acknowledges that Hang may no longer be alive in this world, but she will live in our hearts forever. We, as her family, would like to honor her by releasing her spirit to the other world. Four more years have passed since then, but the family still holds out hope that Heng's case may someday be solved. Her case currently sits as one of the oldest missing person cases in the St. Paul area, but police have never given up on her. Almost every modern article on the case talks of how investigators continue to work her case whenever the chance arises, and that her missing person flyer still hangs in the offices of the St. Paul Police Department to remind everyone she is still out there somewhere, and they still have her case to solve. As of 2017, there were nine binders of files on Hang's case. It's been 28 years since the cold, snowy night that Hang Lee disappeared without a trace, and with few clues to go on, plus the last two people to see her absolutely refusing to talk to police or the media, the case unfortunately has made very little leeway in that time. From what we do know about her disappearance, there's really only ever been one theory that has persisted. That mark wallace the last known person to see hang lee is responsible for hang lee's disappearance when looking at potential suspects i try to remain as unbiased and clear-headed as i can to say that has been almost impossible in this case would be an understatement luckily i'm not too concerned about besmirching wallace's good name so let's take a look at what has already been publicly made known about him prior to hang's disappearance Wallace had already been convicted of two extremely heinous rapes, one being a 16-year-old girl with clear intentions of a third. With the 16-year-old girl and his attempted third victim, he lured them to him under the guise of a job interview, the very thing that Hang Lee was meeting with him for. Next, he only answers basically one question for police, and then immediately lawyers up. To be fair, though, if I had already been convicted of a crime and was now being looked at for a similar crime... I would probably lawyer up too, regardless of if I committed the crime or not. Years later, in 2016, he is found holding an abused woman against her will, to whom he allegedly made some strong hints that he had murdered Hang. It should also be noted that checking his records on the Minnesota court's website shows that he has had other domestic abuse charges, as well as violations of no contact orders. It certainly all looks like a clean-cut case on paper, but despite my own personal feelings, it still comes down to the difference between knowing and proving. I'm sure St. Paul police feel very strongly they know Wallace is guilty, but if they had that one final piece to prove beyond a reasonable doubt he was guilty, they would have arrested and charged him by now. Sure, he was the last guy to see Hang, however, nobody truly knows what happened after the two dropped off Nicky Lee. I've always wondered if police were ever able to look at Wallace's vehicle most specifically the Cavalier. If they have, it's never been made publicly known, and I can't imagine that Wallace would willingly allow it, and there doesn't appear to be any trace that a warrant was filed to check them either. You then have to look at the statements he made to the young woman he was holding captive in 2016. While the woman said he told her that Hang entered his business and never came out, and that he would do the same thing to her if she didn't comply with him, These statements were never heard by police and only told of them after the fact. This, unfortunately, only makes them circumstantial evidence at best. It's also hard not to cast some suspicion on Nikki Lee. In the years since Hang disappeared, she has lawyered up and has refused to talk to investigators or the media. She has also made conflicting statements at the time of Hang's disappearance. Without knowing more about her and the dynamic of her relationship with Mark Wallace, it's hard to really speculate her place in all of this. Sure, she could have been willingly compliant. I will say, though, that Wallace was quite simply an asshole who had a little trouble using intimidation as a form of control. Nikki was an 18-year-old girl. I don't think it's too out of the question that Wallace could have possibly used threats and intimidation to simply coerce her to get hang to him and then keep her quiet. It wouldn't be that hard to believe that she simply lied out of fear for her own life. Her lawyering up could simply be because she feared being implicated in the disappearance itself. Of course, that doesn't excuse her behavior now. She's long past being under Wallace's control and could easily come forward and talk, but it's hard to say what her reasons are. There's not much publicly available on Hang Lee. From what I've been able to find, though, it seems that she was a funny, respectable, hardworking, loyal, and smart, yet sometimes naive, young woman with ambitions to continue her education beyond high school. Something happened that night, though, and any chance of her getting to live her life was taken away. Sure, she could have taken off on her own, but in 28 years she has never resurfaced, there's never been any sign of her, and her social security number has never seen any activity. If she did disappear on her own accord, she certainly did a mighty good job of it. Heng Lee was last seen January 12, 1993, At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 feet tall and weighed 90 pounds. She was wearing a lightweight black leather jacket, a black t-shirt with skid row written on the back, black jeans or slacks, sneakers, and several pieces of jewelry, including two silver bracelets. Hang is an Asian female of Laotian or Hmong descent and speaks both English and Hmong. Her bangs were dyed red at the time of her disappearance. If alive today, she would be 45 years old. There is currently an age-progressed photo of Hang that has progressed to age 36. I will post that photo on social media. If you have any information on the disappearance of Hang Lee, please contact the St. Louis Police Department at 651-291-1111. If you're looking for any additional information, there are several articles available from various Minnesota news publications, as well as a handful of other podcasts. I encourage you to share this podcast, as well as any other sources you choose to look at. The more people who are aware of Hang's case, the more likely she and her family can see justice done. If you'd like to let me know what you think happened, or have questions, comments, or case suggestions, you can find me on Instagram at Midwest Mystery Files, with an underscore before and after mystery, Twitter at Files Midwest, or you can search for Midwest Mystery Files on Facebook. You can also email me at midwestmysteryfilespod at gmail.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, feel free to leave a rating and review. This helps make the podcast more visible in searches and helps bring more attention to these cases. Thank you to everyone who has done so already. I also want to take a second to note that I apologize if anybody was wondering where last week's case was. Um, If you're not on social media and didn't see my post, uh, the week before, I simply had a hectic week and did not get a chance to write the script for this case, and I wanted everything to make sense, so I went ahead and just uh, waited another week to release. So thank you for your patience, and hopefully you uh, came back (laughs) and are still here after that. I also want to make note that I, this week, have reached 1,500 downloads, so I want to thank everybody who's been listening and constantly returning to listen and tuning back in if that continues to grow and listenership grows i do believe that possibly after episode 10 i think i might go ahead and start up a patreon i'm still working the kinks out on that but be looking out for that if you'd like to contribute to the show in the future i may also because i'd like to know what you guys think maybe after episode 10 or so i might try to do a q a either on facebook or instagram i haven't decided yet Just thank you, everyone, for listening. I don't know if I've said that enough yet. And uh, take care, everyone, and I will see you all in two weeks.